from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs with two-man coverage of the red and gold. This is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Chiefs. This is your episode for Tuesday, September 27th. Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Big thing that came out in, in the news for Tuesday is that Marcus Peters, we do know the compensation for the trade. Looks like Kansas City is going to receive the Rams' 2018 fourth-round selection and the Rams' second-round selection in 2019. Uh, they are also having to send this year's sixth-round pick in 2018 to the Rams in this trade. Uh, big news for Kansas City. That does not sound like a great return for a all-pro-type corner, but that is the going rate uh, that they are receiving. It looks like they are not getting what we would have maybe expected, but at the same time, uh, it's been reported by multiple different sources that there is more to this trade than just for the player and what the team will have to take on. Uh, I do want to emphasize that the show you're getting ready to listen to, we actually recorded on Sunday uh, with Matt Derrick. He took some time to sit down with us and talk about this Marcus Peters trade and and different things with the organization. Uh, A lot of good info in here. But we did not know the compensation on this because, like I said, it was recorded on Sunday. So just a heads up, but let's go ahead and get to that interview. And there's nothing like a little bit of turmoil to make us have to go to the insiders. Uh, luckily, we have Matt Derrick back with us from Chiefs Digest. How are you, Matt? Not bad, guys, for a crazy off season that's been a whirlwind six weeks so far. So we're going to figure out what's going to happen from here. I know, right? We didn't even get a chance to talk to you. Uh, about the Alex thing uh, with Kendall Fuller, let alone this this newest thing. But real quickly, um, they're pretty much tied together, these two moves, aren't they? As far as just the overall strategy that, that Brad Veach is going through as far as putting together this team and, and what his approach is, a- absolutely. I mean, it's different sides of the ball. It's different you know, ages. It's, it's a lot of different factors that are going into it. But – you know, it's it, it, Brett Veach, you know, made a point and, and Clark Hunt made a point when he was hired last year to talk about the fact that it was the long term vision for how to put this team together that sold Clark Hunt on on Veach as the choice. And both of these decisions are, I mean, they're about the long term. It's about getting a return for Alex Smith and, and moving on and making Patrick Mahomes the guy. It's about looking at the long term and saying that, hey, yeah, we've got control over Marcus Peters for maybe the next couple of seasons, but we're in this for the long haul. We're in this for the next four or five years and when what this roster is going to look like. Well, and with that, you know, you look at what what they were able to get for Alex Smith. Did any of that surprise you that they were able to get, uh, you know, a fantastic player in Kendall Fuller and a third round pick? You know, it really did. I mean, you know, and we, and we talked about this, and I, I played devil's advocate in the past that I thought that there might be some teams willing to play chicken with the Chiefs and say, hey, we know that you're going with Patrick Mahomes. We know that you've got a cut salary. We know that you need to move on from Alex Smith and and not give them top return and maybe force them, you know, to the to the brink. Because the Chiefs need to make this make the move with Smith pretty quickly. They could not let this thing drag on. They really needed to to, to cut if they're if they're gonna if they're gonna go this path and they needed to free the calorie space salary space, they needed to do it by the beginning of the new league year. 
which meant they had until in mid-March. And, and I thought there might be some teams that, like I said, would 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 challenge them on that and, and, and threaten them to the point that you know, the Chiefs may have to consider just letting him go for nothing. So uh, to get uh, Fuller, who, I mean, is, is, a, is an ascending player, and to get a pick on top of that, I, no, I thought that was an incredible high. I didn't think that the Chiefs would be able to get anything close to that. I think it's it's the demographic of what he does as well, and I think that probably feeds into the, some of the shock surrounding what's going on with Peters. Uh, because Fuller, to this point, I loved him coming out of college. He played on the boundary uh, plenty there. I, I thought he could do it at the time, um, but he had a significant injury, got drafted lower because of it. And since then, he's played very well in the slot in the pros, but he hasn't played a whole lot on the outside. And so I think the impression is – he was immediately going to be the starter inside on the nickel. But now at this point, we have to think that the Chiefs feel uh, that, that he can play outside well enough to be a boundary corner. Yeah, that's certainly the, the direction that we're going here. And, and we're and let's not you know preclude the idea that the, the Chiefs aren't done. I mean, they've got some money to spend. Um, it looks like they may have more draft picks coming up in this draft than maybe we anticipated. So they may be in the market, and maybe there is somebody that they, they think that there's out there. Maybe there's a, a sleeper, uh, you know, middle-round pick that they've really got their eye on. That's where the Chiefs have really shined, in, and, and Brett Veach had a big part of that. I mean, we can say it was John Dorsey, but you know, Veach was certainly a big part of the organization there. So maybe they, they're not done. I mean, they obviously added with, with David Amerson, too. They've added a couple of new faces there. And, and I'll say this. I mean, even if you know Fuller does only become a, a, a slot nickel and everything like that, and that's where he's primarily playing, and it isn't playing it on the boundary. You've already upgraded that position dramatically. I mean, the, the Chiefs were one of the worst in the league guarding, you know, guarding receivers in the slot. So now they've gone from one of the worst to probably one of the best in the league at that position. So, yeah, you may get worse at one spot, but you know you've upgraded at another at the at the very minimum. Well, and then you look at what this really means for their roster overall with this uh, trade for or trading Marcus Peters away, obviously they're going to have to look at corner again. Uh, we weren't necessarily thinking that they were going to have to do that. But what you said is right. I mean, they're going to have more money to spend uh, than we originally thought. You know, between Alex Smith and Peters, I think that frees up close to $19 million in cap space. Um, you know, they were over going into the, the new league year if they didn't make the Alex Smith trade. But now they're obviously going to be under. Um, some of that you're going to have to save for your draft class. But the other side of it is... Now you have the ability to go out and sign guys, but I, I think they're still going to have more cap space to create. You know, Derek Johnson's not going to be back. I, I would expect that Tom Bahali's not going to be back either. Is that kind of your feeling? And is there anybody else that may you think may be on the uh, cutting block? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, everything that this offseason has told us so far, I think it's telling you is that they're not done. I mean, that's, the Brett Veach isn't the kind of guy I think that's going to sit back at – in the February and say done nothing left to do we're we're good um, everything that's going along with this philosophy of making this team younger and cheaper it plays into the decision that you've got on Tom Bahali you've got a decision on you know, Dustin Colquitt you you're probably going to moving moving on from I'm guessing Benny Logan uh, there's a there's a few other you know decisions out there to be made. Uh, some people are speculating about Justin Houston. I'm not sold on that one for now. His contract is really built for having an out after the 18 season. I mean, it it, it does really cost you financially to, to move on from Houston now. And, and even though I, I think you can make the argument that Justin Houston's not the player that he was three years ago and 
and and does not have the pass rushing production to match that salary number, he, he's still your your best all around linebacker. And he's still one of the best in the league all around. And and even if he is not rush, rushing the passer, he's doing other things that help you. And and I think that's probably worth the the, the cap pitch you would take for this year to have that around. Can I ask you a quick question on Houston? Uh, don't you think though that part of him not uh, being as productive as he has been in the past is not having anybody to really help him from on the other side. I definitely think that's part of it and everything. And I, and I, and I also think that part of it has been, you know, the, the defense and the way that they feel like they, they've had to call things the last couple of seasons. You know, you, you actually you look back at it, and as much you know, grief as Bob Sutton got there, you know, during this season and heading into the off season, you really look at their five years in Kansas City, and and 2017 is the outlier. I mean, it really is. I mean, you saw a little bit of a regression in 2016, but. You know, for the most part, this team did what they wanted to do the first three or four seasons, which was you bend but don't break. You 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 don't give up a lot of points. You force a lot of turnovers, and and you know, and this team took a, a step back in that this year. I mean, they really they 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 broke down more in the red zone than they had been. They were not forcing as many turnovers, at least consistently. Uh, you know, good grief! I think you know my my favorite stat that now I've forgotten. I think they only I think they forced two turnovers in all of their regular season losses, and what produced twenty one in their wins. So you know, it was it was a it was just really a consistency issue on the turnover side. But this this was a this was a, a, a team. I mean, I, I really feel like this was a regression, and I think part of it was that they they felt like on on the defensive side that it was a personnel issue. I think that we're definitely seeing that now. They do don't the Chiefs do not believe that the failures of 2017 were, were scheme related necessarily at least not fully scheme related they definitely think that it's a you know a, a personnel issue and whether that's just simply the right people in the role maybe it's players that you know just their talents no longer suit what they were trying to do that's what they're they're trying to adjust to now and and going with maybe players who are a little bit faster but and picking up some speed in some places but yeah i mean as far as as Houston's production goes i think a little bit of it is definitely you know that he needs a a stronger running mate and he needs a little bit of help in some places but you know, I think also that you just have to, you know, kind of look at him I mean, at, at his age, you know, and where he's getting to, and with, you know, with some of the injuries and everything. I'm not sure. I don't. I think his days of being an elite pass rusher are behind him, but he can still be effective. But it just needs to be in the in the right scheme and with the right people around him. Well, and that's where I'm not quite ready to say that it was all personnel, but that's a whole different conversation because I think the key that, that you mentioned in the way that they're trying to change what they do, there are there was a lot of time during this 2017 season when you watch this field and given, like you said, without a strong running mate, Justin Houston was not as impactful as he normally had been throughout his career. So with that and without Eric Berry on the field, it really made Peters pretty much the standout talent with kind of things, especially in the secondary, crumbling around him. So I wonder if that didn't lead to the mentality and, and what exacerbated uh, the on-field uh, and the off-field as well, uh, acting out that we saw from Peters. And maybe that's what the contribution was in my mind. Uh, does that make sense or is there more to it? No, I mean, I, I think you're probably kind of in the right ballpark and everything. And, you know, and, and as we start to get into the Peters discussion and, and, and how it fits in with this defense, I also think it's just, you know, you, you look at this team as a whole and, and, I think the decisions that they're making in this offseason and with the move to Patrick Mahomes, I, I think there's an overarching belief that whether the Chiefs are going to voice it or not, 
it's evident that 2018 is not their year to compete. This is not the year that they think that they've got you know the horses to go out and win the Super Bowl. And you just look at that just realistically and 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 statistically. The idea that you're going to go in and, and go make a deep playoff run and win a Super Bowl with a first year starting quarterback it just doesn't happen. You can win ball games, and I, I think the Chiefs are going to be a pretty good team still. I mean, I, they've got the players to win, and I and I think Mahomes is going to be a pretty good quarterback in the long term. But he's going to make mistakes. This is this is he's got to learn this year. I mean, that's going to be part of it. And so I don't think that maybe this team is going to be as good as it has been in the past. And I th- I think that, you know, I think we saw a little bit in 2017 is that when you've got a, t- a defense struggling, a team that's struggling, a player like Marcus Peters doesn't always fit in that role real well. And I think that may have been some of the problems this year was, you know, maybe there was a dissatisfaction with a little bit of the production of the defense and the way things were going. And if you're going to have another year like that, Yike! That 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 might not be a good fit. I mean, that might just be too much frustration. Real quick, I have just a couple of quick questions, and then we'll get down to the crux of the Marcus Peters situation. Do you think that Kansas City looks at moving on from D Ford uh, if he's able to pass his physical? I, I think it's a serious question. I mean, we should get an answer to that this week, hopefully, uh, at least some indication at the combine. Uh, when Brett Veach and Andy Reid talk a little bit about where you know D Ford is, uh, but if if he passes his physical, uh, I think it does become a serious question because that's a that's a lot of money to be you know the fronting the D Ford, and now we've got a track record of the last couple of years of some injury issues, and and I think we also have some you know concerns about whether he really can be that reliable running mate for Justin Houston. But if there's if there's anything injury wise that that might impact him in 2018. He's not going anywhere, um, just because that salary is guaranteed for injury. And if there's if there's no out for them to be able to escape that contract, uh, there's no reason to move on from him. I mean, you might as, you're going to be stuck with it. the salary. You might as well be stuck with the right. player. But we we don't know. I mean, since they the, since they shut down D Ford, he's really been out of sight, out of mind. We haven't seen anything that really gives us an indication about where his back is and 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 where he is. But and that was a, a whole mysterious injury as it was about you know, what the severity of it is and what exactly it was. So I, I, and with a back, those are those are issues. I, I I mean I I don't know if he's going to pass a physical or not. I don't know where he is physically, but if there's any anything there, I mean I, that, that's going to require him to be on the hook for that money. He's I think he's going to be around. But if you've got a, with the way that this team is is going right now and, and their motivation of what they're trying to do salary wise and youth wise. If if you can move on from D Ford, that's is probably the time to do it too. Well, that's kind of where I'm coming from on on my thought on him. I think that uh, if they're able to move on, and, and the way they shut him down, and when they shut him down, uh, because I think they could have let it go longer into the year um, and seeing if he could be able to come back. But to me, it, it seemed like a longer term move to uh, think about, you know, seeing if they could maybe get him healthy again to where they could release him uh, when time came due this this off season. Yeah, I, I, and I, I thought, yeah, the whole, the whole, the whole part of how his uh, handling of that injury was and everything was was a little odd. I mean, and you know, the Chiefs are always evasive with injuries. There, you really have to kind of dig in and and hunt around for trying to figure out what's going on and everything like that because they're not they're not the most most forthcoming team in the league when it comes with injuries. But you know, the timing of it and the way that it was all handled, you you certainly got the indication that if it was something. 
I don't want to say less serious necessarily, but something that he could play through or something that he could recover from that, hey, they, they would have gone ahead and let it go into deeper into the season and the postseason in case they needed him. All right. This is the part when we talk about Peters and all these things are factors feeding into A, how he's performed, B, how he's behaved. But this is what I want to know. And I know that you have some insight that, that nobody else has. And that's what I want to emphasize. There is a, a public perception of him, and honestly, that's split as well. But I think what's really important is, A, the leadership seems to be in step with each other. I, I don't know if any one party in this organization's leadership could force this to go on. Uh, so first, let's talk about that. Do you feel like this came from any one direction? Uh, was Andy fed up or did it come from another spot or is everybody really together? Well, I mean, if you know, hey, if there's any if there's any one person in the triumvirate that runs this team that that can force a decision, I mean, it's 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 Andy Reid. I mean, he's the one that can always say, I, I, I don't I, I don't want this guy around. And even if Brett Veach and Clark Hunt don't necessarily agree, I think they're going to go along with the head coach. But that being said, in, in this case, I, I, I don't think that there's I don't think there's any one of those three people that just came forward and said, you know, hey, this guy's got to go. I, I really think that it's a, a culmination of things and different motivations. I mean, I don't think this move with, with Peters would be made if all three of them were not of agreement and deciding that this is the way forward. And, and I think they've all got three different motivations, uh, you know, certainly. Clark Hunt has had an issue with with Marcus Peters and, and some of his uh, decisions that he's made. And I would say that point to that being not just the national anthem protest, but also the behavior on the field. Uh, there's there's been some frustration there, and uh, you know Andy Reid has certainly had some frustration with the with the behavior. Uh, certainly tired of the questions that he gets asked about, about Marcus Peters, and and you know and, and he certainly I think Andy Reid. Certainly, with some of the things that he said this season, his indications are that he would prefer that Marcus Peters have handled things differently. That doesn't always mean that he, you know, necessarily wanted, you know, demanding that Marcus Peters stand for the national anthem. But I think that he would have liked for Peters to have maybe expressed himself differently, or maybe, you know, made his point differently, or communicated it to the to to everyone differently. And you know, and Brett Veach has a whole other motivation, which is building this roster and managing the salary cap and putting this team together for the long term. And this decision to me tells me that that all three of these people have certainly come to the same conclusion, but I, I think they have come to it for far different reasons. But I, I don't think there's any any I don't think there's going to be any you know dis, you know schism in here. I mean I think I think these three guys are together on this. Well, and from what you just said, this and one thing that I do want to point out is I have a hard time believing people that are making the argument that this was all Clark Hunt and it's because of the way Marcus Peters has been, you know, politically and kneeling for the anthem and whatnot. But you don't seem to think that that was really uh, a factor. I mean, maybe it's a small factor in, in what Clark Hunt looks at, but it's not the overall motivation for this trade. Uh, it's all three of them on the same page saying, hey, we're trying to get better and this is something that we need to do to do that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I don't believe that, you know, barring a, a, a serious off the field issue that Clark Hunt would ever go to Brad Veach and Andy Reid and say, you've got to get rid of this guy for for non-football reasons. Uh, I just don't see that. He's not he's not been that kind of owner. He's been a very, you know, hands off owner for the most part. 
um, really hiring these guys and letting them do what they do. And I think you saw a lot of that with John Dorsey and that, you know, a lot of the things that they ended up citing for the, you know, letting go of John Dorsey were, you know, clearly pointed to the idea that there were a lot of things happening in the organization that Clark Hunt wasn't aware of. And I think a part of that is just that he is a fairly hands-off guy. I mean, he he's hired these people and he, he trusts them to run the job. And that extends to the the business side, too. I mean, Mark Donovan, Brett Veach, Andy Reid, they run this team and, and they're the day-to-day people. And, and Clark Hunt, by all evidence, doesn't really interfere. He lets them do their job. They, they take things to him, obviously, and, and bounce things off of him. But ultimately, the decisions, you know, really are, are – come from them. So I, I, I don't see it. I just, I don't see the Clark Hunt demanding that the chiefs make a move in this regard. But that being said, that if Brett Veach and Andy Reid come to Clark Hunt and say, Hey, we think we need to move on from, from Marcus Peters. I, I think he would be, I think he would go along with it and agree because he certainly had issues off the field with what, and, and, and with some of the on the field behavior that Peters had just, you know, demonstrated over the last couple of seasons. But the big thing you just said to me there, and this is the way I've always seen Clark Hunt, and I think Ryan and I have had this conversation, is that he's a business owner. He is not trying to run this team. He's not obviously anywhere close to a Steve or a Jerry Jones type. Um, he's letting his guys do what they do and giving them the opportunity to do things that they think they need to do uh, for the betterment of the team. Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, Hunt Enterprises is a big organization, and he's got a lot of things going on. He, he spends most of his time in Dallas, so he's not around the team all the time. You're right. I mean, he he's hired these guys to run the team, and and that's what they do. And the only thing that he expects from them, and is that they come to him with big decisions and things that are going to impact the team long term, big financial moves, things like that. But he he really gives you know these guys a lot of leeway to do what they want to do. He is not a meddlesome owner in any regard. He's not jerry jones he's he is not sticking his nose into the draft or trades or anything like that he he lets these guys operate on their own and i think that this offseason you've seen that more than ever i mean you've got brett veach who's who's a young guy new in this position and all evidence is that he's had carte blanche to do what he's wanted to do you know over the last six months and especially over the last six weeks well and that brings me to really what happens after the decision is made by the, these three people. And that is, this is a guy that is, I want I don't want to say divisive, but I don't think this is a locker room where everybody is lockstep on how they feel about this trade and losing a player of his talent from the players that you've spoken to. What's your impression about how this is going over? Well, I, I, I mean, obviously, I think the number one concern for for the players in this team, and it always always has been, always will be, is you know on the field. You know, how's it going to affect them and as winning football games? And from that regard, everybody on this team, there's no one that you will talk to on this team in that locker room who will criticize Marcus Peters as a player. I mean, they 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 recognize the talent. They know what he's done. They you know, and 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 he's hey, he single handedly won a couple of games for them this year. But at the same time, you know, there are a handful of players at the very minimum. And at how many players that is, I can't speak to. I have not spoken to all 53 and not after and not after, you know, decisions have been made. But there are a handful of players who will say, hey, he's an incredible talent. But the team had no choice. This was inevitable. I mean, this was the direction that things were going. And some of it's the noise. You know, some of it is, you know, they they don't like getting the questions asked all the time. Some of it is, you know, I, I think probably it's a little bit performance related there's frustration from time to time with 
you know, some of the things that Marcus does on the field. And, and there's been frustration with things that happen on the, off the field, on the sideline. I mean, we've seen that. And, you know, and whether this is just, just how Marcus Peters is, I mean, you, you certainly have to go back and look at the track record. And, and there are so many eerie parallels between what's happened in Kansas City and what happened in Washington and in college. And almost the exact same point in the time frame, that relationship in college went south as well as it, as, as it did in Kansas City. And with disciplinary issues and everything and you know, with the decision that, that Reed made to suspend him. And I think you just kind of wonder you know, if, if that, that just wears on you. And what I tell people is that – and I tell people this a lot is that you know, an NFL locker room is, is, is different than any other workplace. I mean, it's it's not the same. There's it's there's a competition. There's a there's a physicality to it that makes it completely different. But at the same time, it's not different from a, another workplace in a lot of different ways. And you can have somebody in your office that is incredibly talented and is maybe one of the best people that you've got. But if from time to time they cause major issues, if from time to time you have to hold them back on the sideline from going after a coach, if from time to time allegedly you've got them going after a coach on a bus, you you can't go on with that forever. That's not something that you can do long term. And and I I know that you know from talking to a couple of players for certainly that. There was there was some inevitability to it that you know they they say that Marcus Peters is a fantastic player, but the team had no choice. This was this was where this was was heading to, and and that that takes out of you know anything that that doesn't come into whether or not that you know Marcus Peters was one to sign an extension and stay in Kansas City. It's it's nothing about the coaches. I mean, this is just purely the players. I have no doubt that the majority of the locker room is pretty ticked off that that they think that this makes them a worse team. But are there a handful of players who are probably relieved and ready for this to be over with and just move on? There's absolutely that sentiment in the locker room, too. Well, and something that you said earlier was that, you know, this is another type of move that they do if they know that they're not going to compete necessarily this year for a Super Bowl. And I think that that is something that we talked about on our show. Uh, We did an emergency episode on Saturday, and that's something that we kind of talked about as well is that, if you look at this type of move, it's really hard. It's really going to be hard for them to sell that they're going to be trying to win in, in 2018, uh, at, le- at least competing for the Super Bowl. Um, now, winning games is different, but you know, competing for the Super Bowl, I just don't know that you can sell that with this move. But I understand that it still probably needed to be done because if he's not going to sign a contract or you know he doesn't want to be here, which is being reported by a couple of different people, um, you have to move on. You can't let him you know, especially a guy that you've already had problems with, uh, continue to decimate a locker room. Yeah. And, and you know, and I, and I don't want to you know, paint the picture that, that Marcus Peters was a, a locker room cancer or anything like that, because that's, I, I, I think that's a hard case to make. Um, now was he, dis- was he a distraction? Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, there, there, he was a distraction and I think, and, and speaking in the bigger picture and not maybe, maybe not of just Marcus Peters, but are there, are there, are there reasons to believe that maybe Marcus Peters would be a bigger distraction on a team that's eight and eight, nine and seven, than he would be on a team that's 12 and four, 13 and three. I think there's reason to believe that. I mean, you know, it's. It, I I think that there is evidence and everything like that to suggest that. And but I think it comes back to what you were were talking and you alluded to and everything is that 
the, the Chiefs needed to make a decision about Marcus Peters now for the long-term future. If you're willing to give him $18 million a year, make him the, one of the highest-paid corners in the league, and have him a part of this team for the next seven years, and he is willing to do that and buy in, and you're comfortable with that, then you, you, you sign to an extension as quickly as you can, and, and you do that. If you're not sold on the idea that, that Marcus Peters is going to be a stable centerpiece leader of your team, you can't do that. I mean, you know, and, and Brett Veach, I think, is what we're going to see in the long term and everything like this is that, and what we've already seen, is that he takes action quickly. I, for instance, I don't think that Brett Veach would have waited to sign an extension on Justin Houston. I think he would have either signed the extension a year earlier than, than Dorsey did, or he would have traded him. I, I think he would have done the same thing with, with Eric Berry. I think he would have signed the extension earlier, or he would have moved on. That's the that's kind of the old Philadelphia approach, and that seems to be you know what, what Brett Veach is doing, is that his philosophy is looking at the roster five, six years down the road and saying, hey, if this is if and he's absolutely and this is exactly what he said was that if this is a player that we want to keep and we want to move on to, you sign him and extend him as quickly as you can. If it's not, you go a different direction. And and I, I, that's where I think that the Chiefs are as a franchise right now. They're going to be doing this. I mean, they're, I think they're going to be making more you know quickly decisions about players, about whether or not they're going to keep them in the long term. And if they're not part of the team and they're not part of their future plans, they're going to move forward and try and get as much value for them as they can. I think it's going to be interesting to watch, and uh, I'm sure that this offseason is not over. We will get back with you uh, when we have a little more information. Uh, the combine's coming up. I hope you guys are prepared to pay attention to that because with this trade, there's even more emphasis that's going to go into who's going to be in this draft. So, Matt, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Always great talking to you guys. And, folks, keep an eye out. We'll be talking about the draft, uh, continuing to follow up on this story. We appreciate you listening to us today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time.